This little reunion about to crack. We got the whole crew back. Really, bitch? A cabin in the woods. Now let's get it all in perspective for all y'all enjoyment. Of you still a slave to white man? Y'all gonna stop calling my wife the white man, all right? Newness is the anthem. Put your hands up that you sit with. Well, we don't undo the Hell no. Where are you going? Look for the fuse box. What kind of house is this? No, no, thank you. The blackening? Whoa! Jim Crow Monopoly. Shit probably runs on racism. Pick a car and save Morgan. What do you mean, save Morgan? <laughs> Refuse to play, and she dies. I think we have to play the game. In your predicament, a black character is always the first to die. I will spare your lives if you sacrifice the person you deem the blackest. The blackest? Nobody should judge anybody in here, bro. You have two minutes to decide. See, Nika, she say nigga the most. Nigga! See? Wait, y'all can't pick me! I'm gay. Oh, listen. Yeah! That can prove I'm not the blackest. Prove it! I've never seen Friday. I voted for Trump. What? What? Twice? We need a plan. Don't say it. Don't you dare. We, don't say it. Don't say it. We have to split up. Your time has run out. It's time to die. There's a crazy person out here hunting us. You got Rosa Parks on your shirt, right? Would she be sitting down right now? I mean, that's exactly what she did. Made you look. Made you look. What black woman got to save everyone else? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me, as always, Venom. What's up, Venom? How's it going? Greetings and salutations, celebrators of Juneteenth. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, also with us, it's Don and Ellie. Don, how goes it? Yeah, what's going on? Always happy to be here. All right, how happy? We'll find out in a minute as we get into this episode movie, which is The Blackening, a theatrical release. Uh, so, let's see. IMDb's synopsis says, seven black go away for the weekend and end up trapped in a cabin with a killer who has a vendetta. Their street smarts and knowledge of horror movies help them stay alive. Probably not. Um, okay, so we're going to start with our general thoughts on Blackening, and we'll kick it off with Venom. What did you think of The Blackening? I thought this movie was okay at best. Uh, I feel like it works better as a comedy than a horror movie. If you're looking at it just for its horror elements, it's, you know, very derivative, you know, nothing we haven't seen before. I personally felt just very slighted when we finally get the reveal of our mastermind and the reasoning behind this whole plot just felt paper thin, kind of dumb, incredibly petty. And that's coming from someone who considers themselves petty and vindictive, as I've said many times before. 
Uh, I have no problem with being petty, but even the uh, the mastermind in this film was just like, like once we get the reveal, it's like really, really that that's the reasoning behind all this. That's why I spent an hour and forty minutes in the theater. So you know, it was a little thin for me. I will say the comedy worked for the most part. I thought the cast worked really well together. Uh, no big names here, but, you know, definitely a, a, an ensemble cast of uh, people that you can believe are friends in real life. Um, you know, I thought the setup of the movie was fine as far as setting up the whole game and everything, you know, the board game element of the whole thing. Um, you know, we, we didn't have to spend a whole lot of time with character development. You know, all the characters were basically developed as the story went along rather than having like a long-winded, you know, the uh, couple of scenes early on uh the movie gets right into the action right away we get a cold open <clears throat> that's probably one of the better scenes in the film um as far as horror elements go and then you know we get into the bulk of the film where we're introduced to the main you know six or seven friends and their relationships with each other their past how they know each other what's happened since the last time they got together because this is a reunion of sorts uh, you know, these are a group of friends from college who haven't seen each other in a few years. At least most of them haven't seen each other for a few years. So, you know, the setup is fine. It's just in execution. As I said, it just works better as a comedy. I did chuckle multiple times throughout the film. A lot of the jokes were very funny. One scene in particular, which I think a lot of you have seen in the trailer, where they're trying to figure out who is the quote-unquote blackest member of the group. I thought that whole scene was pretty funny, the, the back and forth between the different characters. Um, the end of that scene kind of annoys me, because they end up picking the person who I think most people would consider the least black person in the group but you know there there's reasoning behind that so we'll get into that during our walkthrough but yeah overall i thought the movie was okay i didn't hate the time that i spent with it but the third act overall was fairly disappointing for me because that's really where we get the bulk of the horror really only one on-screen kill throughout the film most of the other kills what few kills there are in this movie are mostly off-screen or at least slightly hidden from the camera so that you don't see the actual bulk of the gore. Very little gore in the movie and blood, stuff like that. It's uh, Like I said, it's solidly works better as a comedy. No real nudity or you know major gore scenes, as I mentioned. The R rating is really more for its language. There are there, There's a lot of language in here. Um, so, yeah, overall, a fairly funny comedy horror film that kind of lacks in the horror. Um, and, you know, like I said, just kind of left me a little flat as I'm walking out of the theater. You know, I, I thought it was OK at best. Middle of the road is pretty much the best thing I can say about it. That's it for me. All right, let's go over to uh, what did you think of the blackening? Um, yeah, uh, once again, I I don't have much else uh, to add to this. Um, I mean, he said a lot of my main thoughts here. I, I, I found it a little bit more um, enjoyable as a comedy just because I thought a lot of, you know, the characters are really fun. We don't have anybody that's overly obnoxious. Um, one or two were kind of pushing it a little, but um, they never really crossed the threshold into unbearable. Um, they were still uh, fun and likable enough that I really didn't, uh, you know, get too aggravated by them being there. 
Um, you know, the, the fact that, you know, it's always you know, everybody's, you know, coming back together and then they all start rehashing old drama and all that other kind of crap, you know, they they you, they kept that to a minimum and they kept it fun and light enough that I, I didn't mind it, uh, like I said, too much. They they kept it perfectly tolerable. Um, the, the situations, uh, some of them were kind of outlandish to um, an implausible degree, so a lot of it was kind of... It, I was wondering where they were going to go with this, whether they were going to go a little supernatural or whether they're going to keep it grounded in reality, which thankfully was, uh, you know, they kept it in reality a little bit more. So it played it a little bit more funnier um, for me, at least. But, yeah, um, again, not too much original, not a lot of um, really grandiose kind of uh, set pieces or atmosphere that really kind of wowed me to any kind of a degree. Uh, you know, yeah, if they would have uh, provided more gore or any gore practically um, with the body count here, it probably would have uh, enhanced my enjoyment a little bit more. But, yeah, there, there there's not too much else I can really add um, that after what Venom's already said about it. Uh, you, know, you know, they kept it fun. They kept it breezy. Uh, not really not really too uh, grandiose in terms of uh, they definitely could have gone a little bit uh, higher in terms of the, uh, you know, they, they could have done a little bit more with the uh, stalking scenes and, you know, went a little um, more overboard and a little bit more ridiculous with everything. But yeah, as it stands, I, I don't hate it. I, I don't love it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Venom said, it's kind of the middle of the road works way better as a comedy than horror film, but uh, it's still decent enough. I mean, it's not, you know, the most hair-pulling or excruciating, you know, horror comedy mashup I've seen. Um, I'll say this. It, it falls just slightly below the uh, the scary movie films, which I think is pretty much where the uh, the market, like, not necessarily market, but, like, the, the target for what these uh, what this is trying to be. Um, especially the first two, because I think those are you know, the ones that are clearly trying to be a horror film. And this one, it feels very similar in spirit. Um, it's a notch below those, so if you were very, very high on those, you'll probably like this one just a little bit less. But if, uh, if you didn't really care for those, then I'd say don't even really bother with this one, because it, it, it's not as good as those. And if you weren't a fan of those, I don't think you'll... You like this one that much, but um, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty much right there with uh, Venom on this one. All right. Well, in that case, I think the three of us are in agreement. Uh, it was fun. It was pretty good. But as a horror movie, it was like average, low average as far as the horror elements. This is definitely a movie you go. You're much better served if you're in the mood for a comedy. Um, Venom open and i think he was alluding to it that the cold open is probably better actual horror scenes in the movie and i agree and it almost sets you up because the movie before based on the trailer i was like hmm is this going to be like a horror or good balance and based on the cold open i was actually thinking oh they might actually have a better horror movie here than i was expecting but after the cold opening into comedy. I didn't think um, much horror stuff, like the, the kills weren't much to write home mm -hmm. about. 
I wasn't too. I felt like the reveal they, out of all the characters there, they to me they obvious one to like end up being the bad guy as the the outsider of the group, the one that kind of didn't seem like they belonged. Um, so that that could have just been because of the the weaker story um, due to it being more comedy. As far as the comedy itself goes, I thought the comedy was well written. I laughed. um, The jokes pretty much hit for what they were trying to do. I liked that they played like the tropes. Um, There was a lot of references to other movies. They definitely, the the stereotype of black folks always dying. Um, They did that well. Overall, I have to agree with Venom and Dawn both that it's, it works better as a comedy. So if, if that's what you're for, this movie does in, in that sense. But uh, as far as the horror elements, average to below average. Um, I thought the cast was good. I liked all like kind of like the stereotypes with the characters themselves. They they try to fit a bunch of like uh, black prototype characters that have been in slasher movies uh, I, I like that idea right there and uh, I like the uh, ranger character um, how you, <laughs> you that kind of sub- expectations after his first scene because the first scene you, you you might think something of him but then and so um, but yeah over, and, and it's, it's like a movie so you're in and out pretty quick uh, and you know I, I would say if you've seen the trailer it's pretty accurate as far as the type of movie you're if anything watch the trailer it says hey that's the type of movie I'm in the mood for I delivers on that just don't expect like great horror it's definitely more of a comedy um what else I guess um but yeah, those are my general thoughts on it. Isn't it weird that the Ranger doesn't get a credit on IMDb? Oh, that's crazy, considering he's actually a known Isn't actor, it? too. Like, yeah, that's really odd. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I forgot his damn name. I, I, you know, he's one of those guys that you recognize the face instantly. I think he was in it, Cocaine Bear. the same basically. time guy from Office Space. Exactly, yes, 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 thank you. <laughs> He's in the Beverly Hillbillies movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you've seen the movie, I'm sure they find him recognizable. Yeah, exactly. I will say the strength of this movie is its cast and their camaraderie together. Uh, again, I'm speaking from the comedic aspects of the movie. Uh, like Mike said, you know, you get some kind of prototypical characters. You get, you know, you get a couple of unusual ones too, but... You know, you get the, the, the kind of the token gay character, the nerd, you know, in Clifton. Um, I, I dare not even call him an Urkel type because I feel like even Urkel would kick Clifton's ass. Um, but basically, you know, that kind of nerdy <laughs> character that goes against type. Um, you know, we even get a mulatto character. You know, one of the girls here is half white, half black, and she kind of has to defend her quote-unquote blackness multiple times in the film because of it. Um so, yeah, overall, 
I, I did like a lot. I liked King a lot, kind of the thug, you know, the stereotypical thug, if you will. Uh, former gang member carries a gun, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then Namdi, <laughs> who is our, uh, I guess, I, I don't want to say token African character, like actually from Africa, but yeah. It's kind of funny that how amongst a group of African-Americans, the one guy who actually comes from Africa and has an African name actually has to take shit for it. That's kind of weird. But again, you know, we all have our crazy circle of friends that will razz each other for the weirdest reasons. So, yeah, it, you know, like I said, that was definitely an enjoyable part of the film, watching all these characters kind of interact with each other. And... um and then they kind of pull a little bit of a scream here where um, the biggest name actor in the movie actually is taken out during the uh, cold open. I won't mention who, though. You know, if you're looking at the cast list right now, it's fairly obvious who the one name that sticks out um, to mainstream audiences anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, they, they tried to get a little bit of that scream pizzazz, but, you know, kind of <laughs> I don't want to say they failed. I guess it works because when you see the character, it's like, oh, he's about to die, <laughs> you know, especially because he's not featured in the trailer. So it's like, oh, he's definitely not going to make it. So blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, like I said, the comedic aspects are definitely the strength of the film. The horror, eh, it's it's there. You know, yes, there is a, a definitive horror situation happening. You know, people are being, well... I say people are being picked off. Let's say there are antagonists who are trying to pick people off because, as I already mentioned earlier, kind of a low body count for a film like this, especially with a, a horror comedy. You usually get a pretty high body count with lots of over-the-top kills and silly gore and things like that, but they, def they definitely did not go that route. But then again, what do you expect from the director of Tom and Jerry? Yes, the director of Tom and Jerry. You heard me correctly. <laughs> Uh, and I didn't even finish that movie. I, I love Tom and Jerry. I even have a Tom and Jerry tattoo um, for obvious reasons. My real name is Jerry, of course. I'm sure you all know that by now. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't even make it through that Tom and Jerry movie. That thing was atrocious. I, I'm sorry. Neither did I. <laughs> yeah, and you have kids. You're the type of person who's supposed to make it through the whole movie. No, I, I couldn't. I, I think I made it a half hour. Plus, I, you know. I famously don't like Chloe Grace Moretz very much, so obviously that's going to be a hindrance right there. So, anyway, back to the blackening. <laughs> so, ultimately, once you see that Tim Story is the director of this one, you know, ex expectations maybe curbed a little bit. Um, I, I think he did one movie that I did like, and I can't think of it. Oh, well. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, the blackening, like I said, when it comes to the horror elements, not a whole lot there, you know, a bunch of people staying in a cabin in the woods, they're suddenly being stalked by a masked assailant, um, for, you know, no real reason, obviously instantly they think it's a race thing, you know, because they're kind of in the middle of nowhere, renting a cabin, you know, from a white person, so, you know, obviously the racism kind of builds up, but ultimately I will give this movie credit because going into it, I thought they were going to, you know, pull a lot of, you know, black people do this and white people do this and and also the vilifying of white people in general. But ultimately, I don't think they really did that. Like even the one white character, the the, the park ranger, it wasn't necessary. They, they didn't distrust him because he was white. They distrusted him because he was an authority figure. 
And I like that, you know, nobody, yeah. you know, nobody was being racist towards the white park ranger. You know, it's just the fact that he's a figure of authority with a, with a gun, you know, that, that apparently it's surprising to them that a park ranger has a weapon, but you know, to most people, it's probably not that surprising. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, that was the elements of the comedy that definitely worked for me. So, like I said, thankfully, they didn't dip too much into racism and, you know, black versus white or anything like that. But I do really wish they had a little bit more fun with the horror. As I mentioned, you know, once we get the reveal of the mastermind, I, I rolled my, – my eyes rolled so hard, they almost rolled out of my head. I'm like, really? That's what we're working with? Uh, ultimately – and once you get the reveal, too, it's like – not one person here is responsible for what happened that night. That was 100% you, but you can't take responsibility for your own actions. So fuck it. I'm going to kill all these people who maybe don't call themselves friends. I mean, ultimately the fact that Clifton is even there is kind of a head scratcher throughout the movie. Like who the fuck invited this guy? Obviously, you know, once you get to the end of the movie, you understand why he's there, but it still was like a head scratcher throughout the film. Like I would never ever see any of these people hanging out with a Clifton type, not at all. If anything, Clifton would be hanging around with you know, uh, you know, uh, more like white nerds, school nerds, D and D gamer type people. You know, blah blah blah. That seems like it's more his crowd. It's got nothing to do with skin color. It just seems like that's the people that he would be hanging around with. Um, he's obviously forcing the issue, trying to hang out with these folks who are definitely on another level of blackness, if you will. I'm trying to pick my words carefully, folks. I don't want to come off as racist by any stretch. Um, so please forgive me if I do slip here and there. But, uh, yeah, it's it's like I said, it's a weird movie that I didn't like very much, and I I definitely don't want it to – I don't want the, the idea that I don't like it because it was a black movie because that's – that's obvious. That's the complete opposite. I almost always love black cinema. Some of my favorite comedies ever are black movies, you know, the, the Eddie Murphy's and Richard Pryor type stuff. But, you know, this one, like I said, funny at times, but as a horror comedy, it just really didn't do a whole hell of a lot for me. Um, I don't know what else, anything else you guys want to bring up before we get into a, uh, a walkthrough that <laughs> of a movie that I've forgotten almost half of already. <laughs> I was, I was hoping that it was going to go more like a supernatural route, honestly. Um, because the way they set it up with the game, I was like, oh, are they doing like almost like a horror Jumanji type thing or something, you know? And when it kind of gets revealed what's going on, it was a bit of a letdown for me. Yeah, I, I just don't think it was structured that well. Like, I understand what they were doing. It made sense, I guess, but I just was like, it, it came off fairly pedestrian to me. It, it was just a sign that they were really there to make a horror, I mean, a comedy, and then they kind of figured out how to put some horror elements into it, you know? Yeah, yeah, not the greatest horror elements, but some. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny because obviously this director does not have a pedigree in horror, so this is something that he's not ultra familiar with. Looking looking at his stuff, he's done a lot of television, um, a lot of comedies, uh, you know, stuff like that. Black comedies, he's done a lot of black comedies, blah blah blah. But ultimately, you know, doesn't really do a whole hell of a lot for me. Um, 
I, you know, as I look down his filmography, I, I think I'm wrong. I, I don't think he actually has anything. I, the first ride along was, I guess, okay. <laughs> and I, and I use the word okay very loosely because the second one was awful, but he directed both of them. Anyway. Yeah, I guess uh, that'll be your spoiler warning, folks. Not that we're really, yeah. The, there's only one major thing that's really gonna that can be spoiled, and that's ultimately who the mastermind is. Because uh, when it comes to red herrings, the first red herring in the movie is actually correct. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> there it is. And then the it, it's it's the later red herring with the park ranger that actually turns out to just be a red herring and not something that actually has anything to do with the horror that's going on. But fuck it. Let's go ahead and get into the walkthrough. Um, it is almost a week now since we've watched the film, so I'm going to do the best I can at remembering what I can. Our movie opens up with a cold open. We have two characters, Morgan and Sean. Sean being played by SNL's Jay Farrow, if you remember Jay Farrow. No longer with the cast, but he was on SNL for a few seasons there. Um Basically, they are at a cabin preparing for a Juneteenth celebration. I hope everyone by now knows what Juneteenth is. I'm not going to get into that history lesson, but if you don't, look it up, please. It is an important date um, for most Americans, anyway. And so, like I said, Morgan and Sean are preparing the cabin, and they end up going into the basement, which is labeled Game Room. And they think, well, you know, a big part of this weekend is going to be playing games, you know, playing spades and, you know, board games and things like that. So they go down there to check out what's going on. And if you've seen the trailer, then you know that they find a board game called The Blackening. That uh, once they open it, there's a, a Sambo character right on top, you know, the black face with the big red lips, just incredibly offensive. To anyone who remembers the antebellum period, or not remembers, because anybody who was alive then is no longer with us, obviously. But if you're familiar with the antebellum period of this country, to see that image, it's very striking and very offensive. So they see this, and instantly um, the little Sambo character on the game starts talking and says, pick a card. And they're like, oh, uh, somebody must have left it on. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they, they play along. They pick a card. Um, and the, the card, basically, it's like a little challenge. It, it asks them a question. It could either be a trivia question or some kind of actual challenge. In this case, it was a trivia question. I forget specifically what the trivia question was, but obviously it does have something to do with black culture. Um, they are unable to answer the question correctly, and then the door of the game room shuts and locks behind them, and suddenly they are attacked by an unseen assailant, and Jay Farrow's character, Sean, takes a, a bolt to the neck, you know, from, a, from one of those crossbows, uh, takes a bolt to the neck, and he gets pinned to the wall, and he dies, and then we see someone give chase to Morgan, and then the scene kind of ends there. After the credits, after the opening credits, we are then introduced to the rest of our group who are joining Morgan and Sean at this cabin. We're introduced first to Lisa and Dwayne. They are obviously longtime friends. Um, Lisa is kind of our lead of the movie. Uh, Dwayne is our token gay character in, in the film. He is very obviously flamboyantly gay and has no issues with it. Um, 
him and Lisa are talking about potentially someone that may have been invited to the cabin who they did not want, or at least that Dwayne doesn't want to be around. Um, When they end up getting to the cabin, um, or actually before we get to the cabin, we are also introduced at that point to Shanika and Clifton. They stop at a gas station, or should I say Shanika by herself stops at a gas station you know, to pick up some snacks and whatnot to bring to the party. And obviously we have the uh, stranger in a strange land type scene where the locals who run the store are very obviously not into, you know, uh, black people and kind of stare at them and give them eyes. Or should I say eye? Because the store clerk only has one eye. It looks like one of his eyes has been yanked out. And um, he's a big dude. He almost looks like Taylor Maine a little bit, like tall, um, very saber tooth looking, if you guys remember the Marvel character saber tooth. Um, and while at the store, Shanika runs into Clifton, and Clifton is the nerd character that I was talking about that doesn't really fit in this group, and it'll be obvious why later on. He talks about how he, uh, you know, he's having car trouble and he's stuck at this gas station, so he ends up getting a ride from Shanika the rest of the way to the cabin. Once we get to the Kevin, uh, we are also introduced to King. Like I said, he's kind of like the token thug of the group. Um, and we are also introduced to Namdi. Namdi is the character that Dwayne was talking about earlier that he did was hoping would not be at this get-together. And the reason is because Namdi has broken Lisa's heart multiple times throughout the years. Yes, they've dated, and he's basically cheated on her every time they've been together. As it turns out, uh, Lisa and Namdi have secretly gotten back together and haven't said anything to Dwayne because Lisa knows the reaction that she's going to get. Because Dwayne is basically Lisa's support system. And every time Namdi breaks her heart, Dwayne is the one who's there to pick up the pieces and help her kind of get through the breakup, blah, blah, blah. So obviously, as soon as Dwayne sees Namdi, the shit kind of hits the fan instantly. They don't like each other. They're giving each other shit, blah, blah, blah. And like I said, Dwayne is a very flamboyant gay man who does not edit himself. So anything he's thinking, he just lets out, which makes him a very entertaining character, ultimately. And yeah, and that's everybody. So at this point, Lisa, Dwayne, Namdi. Uh, oh, I forgot Allison. I'm sorry. Allison is the mulatto character. She is. Uh, she has a white father who she actually makes fun of for being the whitest guy ever. Yet somehow she still definitely has a very Afrocentric um, personality to her, you know, uh, the way that she speaks, the way that she carries herself, blah, blah, blah. So um, so she's obviously kind of fighting her white half, if you will, and trying to still stay true to her black half. Um, so that's kind of like her motivation throughout the film is always kind of defending her blackness and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, like I said, what's that? Two, four, six, seven. We've got seven friends, um, and they don't know where Morgan and Sean are. Morgan and Sean are missing. They don't know where. They all decide to, you know, kind of walk around a little bit, um, check out the, the cabin, check out some of the property around the cabin. Eventually, they themselves end up finding the game room, um, which is, of course, the basement. They all go down to the to the game room. I also forgot to mention that during the cold open, there is kind of a saw moment where uh, a TV comes on and we see our masked assailant 
kind of talking to uh, yeah to Sean and Morgan as they're playing the game. So once again, uh, with our our seven friends go down to the game room and they find the game, the board game, the Blackening. They are all you know of various degrees of upset and offended by it. And then it starts speaking to them, just like it started speaking to Morgan and Sean. And instantly, nobody really wants to play it, but then the TV comes on. And on the TV, we see Morgan still very much alive and tied to a chair somewhere. We don't know where, if they're actually in this cabin or maybe another part of the woods, but... Um, the voice on the video basically lets them know you're going to play the game. You're going to get 10 answers, uh, 10 questions. If you correctly answer all 10 questions, I will unlock the door and let all of you live, including Morgan. He never mentioned Sean. Obviously we saw that Sean is dead. So, um, but he doesn't let it know. He, he doesn't let it be known that Sean is dead quite yet. So, you know, our characters play the game. They answer various questions, various black culture questions, like I said. And then finally, they get to the question um, that, you know, I was talking about earlier, potentially one of the funniest scenes in the film. And that's uh, basically the killer asks the group, who is the blackest person in this group? Um Send that person out to the woods outside of the cabin. He he flat out says that person is going to die, but everyone else in the group will be spared, including Morgan, who's still, you know, somewhere unknown. And this is where we get into an argument. We get the back and forth. You know, people talk about King because he's a former gang member. He carries a gun pretty much everywhere he goes. So, you know, again, uh, we also see, you know, uh, King kind of accuse Shanika of being the blackest because she uses the N-word more than anyone. And that gag is in the trailer as well, where then she ends up calling him the N-word almost to prove his point. Um, And then it's just, you know, kind of, each character takes a turn defending their blackness and basically saying, well, no, I'm not the blackest person. This person obviously is. Finally, and, you know, they do the same thing with Namdi. Like, motherfucker, you're actually from Africa. There ain't no more black than being from Africa. And then he tries to defend himself and say, well, you know, I wasn't born in Africa. I was actually born here. Not sure if he's lying or telling the truth, but, you know, he claims not to have been born here or there. And then finally they get to Clifton. And like I said, Clifton being the stereotypical nerd who literally does nothing that you would consider quote unquote black. And he starts going down the list of everything, you know, TV shows that he watches. And then finally he gets to who he voted for, which once again, we did see in the trailer where he says he voted for Trump. And then he pauses for a second and says twice. And then everybody just kind of flips out. And they remember the last time that they were hanging around, hanging around with Clifton back in college, they remember that he supposedly cheated at spades. And spades is a game that this group takes very seriously. Throughout the first act and part of the second act of this movie, we see characters playing spades and getting very into it, very talkative, talking shit back and forth, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they, they like I said, they take it very seriously anyway. They claim that the last time that all of them were together, Clifton cheated at uh, Spades, basically telling his partner that he didn't have a certain suit. But then it turned out he did have that suit, um, you know, almost like a bluff in Uno, if you will. Anybody who plays Uno, you know, you can bluff the draw four wild cards, blah, 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 blah. And um, 
finally they say fuck it and they all vote for Clifton which like I said kind of upset me because the killer specifically asked for the blackest person in the group and they end up sending out the least black person in the group so for obvious reasons like I said none of them actually like Clifton none of them understand why he's even there he claims that he was invited by Morgan but of course Morgan is missing so she's not there to actually corroborate the story that yeah I invited Clifton but everybody's very suspicious of Clifton instantly and he ends up going out at this point too in the film our group has already been attacked by our antagonist um king specifically has already been shot with a bolt in the shoulder in fact he's been shot twice in the exact same spot which i did kind of <clears throat> find kind of funny and um so like i said they vote for clifton as the blackest person and they send him outside and then <clears throat> the view on the television switches camera to a camera outside the cabin and what we see is Clifton walk outside, and as soon as he walks outside, we see the masked killer come out of the, you know, the forest with his crossbow in his hand, and he shoots Clifton point blank in the chest. He then, it, it looks like Clifton falls over and dies. He goes ahead and drags Clifton's body back in somewhere back in the house, back in the cabin, um, but no one's 100% sure what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And then we get the scene where they all kind of decide to split up, much to everyone's chagrin, because, you know, throughout the movie, they talk about horror tropes and what people, you know, what, especially what white people do in horror movies and how they should not do that. Of course, it's, um, who is it? It's, uh, it's Allison, our mulatto character, who's actually the one who says maybe we should split up. And the reason she wants to split up is because at this point, she thinks since there's only one killer, maybe some of us can get away, or at the very least, if some of us stay here in the cabin, we can kind of reinforce the cabin, maybe find some weapons, set up some traps, whatever the case may be. Um, so they do end up splitting up half the group. Well, not even half the group, like two or three. I, I think three specifically leave. Um, I believe it's Shanika, King, and Allison end up leaving the cabin while the other three end up staying in the cabin looking for weapons. Uh, they have the idea of propping the doors open because the doors have been kind of closing on their own remotely and then locking behind them, trapping them in various parts of the cabin when they don't want to be in there, of course. <clears throat> and then we get, you know, like I said, we get some chase scenes. We get some... Um, uh, we get a little bit of black stereotype comedy where Shanika and King end up getting to a lake and they notice across the lake there's other cabins with lights on. And Shanika is like, well, I'm going to just go over the swim over there. And and King is like, really? You swim? And she's like, what? You're going to be like these racist killers who think black people don't swim? Blah, blah, blah. So she, of course, jumps into the lake. She starts swimming. But then halfway across the lake, it's not a very big lake either, by the way. I, I might be making it more of a pond. Let's call it a pond. Um, about halfway across the pond, um, our killer actually kind of comes out of the woodwork and starts shooting bolts at uh, Shanika as she's swimming in the water. King, 
um, who apparently can't swim, decided to stay on the shore, but he climbed up a tree to kind of be a lookout for Shanika. Once the killer kind of comes out, he doesn't notice that King is up in the tree. He starts shooting bolts at Shanika, missing every time. And then finally he does jump out of the tree and, you know, they, he basically starts to attack him. Finally, Allison, who has just taken a couple of Adderall and is completely out of her head. Um, obviously this girl doesn't really do drugs generally, even though they're all talking about doing Molly, but Adderall is what fucking <laughs> knocks Allison out. So, um, finally Allison shows up and then Shanika swims back and gets out of the pond and all three of them attack the killer, and they just beat the living shit out of the killer. They stab him multiple times with some of the bolts that he's got in his uh, crossbow, and they unmask him. They they take his mask off, and they realize it's the one-armed uh, – excuse me, it's the one-eyed guy from the store, the guy that I said looks like Taylor Maine, you know, your stereotypical big redneck killer. Um, but then Shanika notices that his boots are different. Earlier in the film, uh, Shanika was actually attacked by uh, uh, our masked assailant, and she stabs him in the foot. She, she happened to have a knife with her. This is right after King got shot twice uh, in the same spot uh, with the bolts, with the, uh, with the crossbow. And Shanika remembers, no, no, I stabbed that guy in the foot and like she drew blood. The knife went into his boot. But when she but when she looks down at the guy that they just killed, his boots are fresh and they're different boots. They're not the same color boots. And she's like, oh, shit, I think there's more than one of these guys because this ain't the guy that attacked me in the cabin. And that's when they realize um, eventually they all go back to the cabin and they find an old family picture in the cabin apparently of the owners of the cabin and in the family they have a they have twins they have twin boys one of them is missing his eye so obviously the other there is his twin brother is another one of the masked assailants at this point we still don't know why they're killing them everybody's just assuming that they're racist rednecks and that they rent out this cabin to black people so that they can hunt them for a weekend or whatever but um we'll get the truth here in a little bit Eventually, they have an altercation with the second killer back in the cabin. This is when uh, Lisa, our our main character, just smashes him with um, some piece of ceramic, uh, like a candle holder, a ceramic candle holder or, or something like that. And she ends up just bashing his brains in. That's when they realize, oh, shit, this guy's a twin. And there's more people in this family because, like I said, they found a family photo and there's still a dad and another brother in the picture. There, there's a mom and a sister, too. But, you know, they're worried that, oh, shit, if this entire family's in on it, we still got more people to deal with. Um, they end up trying to go down to the basement to look for Morgan because Morgan's still missing at this point. We have no idea where Morgan is. Um they all go down to the basement, and that's where we find both Clifton and the park ranger's body. I completely skipped over the park ranger because, um, you know, he's like the token white character in this movie. None of the characters trust him. As soon as he shows up, they think that he's part of the group that's uh, basically, you know, uh, trying to pick them all off. As it turns out, he actually was a legitimate park ranger who was trying to help them, but he then uh, does also, just like Sean, ends up taking an arrow to the throat. So when they go down to the basement to look for Morgan, uh, they find Clifton and the park ranger's bodies on the table. 
Um, but then out of nowhere, Clifton gets up. Yep. Clifton sits up. He pulls the bolt out of his chest, exposing obviously that it, that, that, that it's a fake or that he had something in his, um, in his jacket that protected him from the bolt. And then this is where we get our reveal that yes, Clifton of all fucking people in this movie, Clifton is the mastermind of this whole thing. And he basically tells the story of why he's doing this. If you remember earlier, I mentioned that the last time this group got together, um, Clifton was accused of cheating at spades. Well, um, Clifton apparently says he was not cheating. It was an honest mistake. He just didn't realize that he still had a club in his hand, um, blah, blah, blah. And that basically they made fun of him unmercifully. They called him a cheater. They kind of kicked him out of the group and didn't want to play spades with him anymore. And apparently Clifton then went and got drunk uh, for the first time ever. He had never drank up to that point. You know, he was a you know straight edge, clean and sober kind of guy. But because of everything that the group was, you know, the, all the shit that the group was giving him, he ended up getting drunk. And he ended up leaving the party drunk, getting into his car, getting into an accident, and killing an innocent woman, a mother, actually. And... Of course, um, he obviously he was prosecuted, found guilty of vehicular manslaughter, and served four years in jail. Yeah, Clifton was actually in prison for four years. Four years in prison didn't harden him at all because he was still a little soft little bitch this whole goddamn movie. I mean, because even after the reveal, it's not like he changed his personality and suddenly he was a tough guy, you know? He was always the nerdy Clifton, even after the reveal. He did this weird thing with his mouth that really bothered me throughout the film. It's like, why the fuck is he doing that? It bugs the shit out of me. Um, where he's kind of contorting his mouth like, I don't know. I want to say like Handyman from the, uh, In Living Color. I don't, <laughs> I'm dating myself, obviously. This is a 90s show. but um, Or maybe it was Mad TV. It was either Mad TV or In Living Color where there was where Damon Wayans played a handicapped superhero and he did a weird thing with, with his mouth where he contorted his bottom jaw. Clifton does that throughout this whole fucking movie. And I have no idea why it just bothered the shit out of me. Um, Cause Clifton very obviously was not mentally challenged. He was a college graduate. I mean, he was a smart guy anyway. So, you know, it's revealed that, you know, because they quote unquote ruined his life, even though he was 100 fucking percent responsible for what happened on that night, he still blamed all of them for accusing him of being a cheater and getting him to get drunk and get into that car accident. Um, and that's when he reveals that, you know, he paid these rednecks to do this, you know, to rent out the cabin to these people and then pick everyone off. But ultimately, the only people that the uh, rednecks were actually able to kill was our first two, Morgan and Sean. We do eventually find a security video um, and it shows Clifton throwing Morgan and Sean's bodies into a well that is there in the basement of this cabin. Um, eventually, uh, the lights end up going out and, um, uh, uh, I think, I think it was, it was either Allison or Lisa. One of them ends up finding the remote control for the doors. Cause remember earlier I was saying that the doors seem to be opening and closing and locking and unlocking remotely. It turns out there is actually a remote control. Uh, Lisa or Allison, like I said, I forget which ends up finding one of the remotes on the dead body of one of the killers 
Um, so she's able to unlock all the doors in the house, in the cabin. At that point, she's also able to kill the power because, you know, the lights kept going on and off throughout the movie. So she ends up killing the power, and then, you know, the people in the basement, they end up attacking Clifton. They're able to disarm him, get the crossbow out of his hand, and eventually they just push him into the well. And I mean, you hear him land. You hear him land at the bottom of the well, but that's all the confirmation we get that Clifton's actually gone. It's kind of fucked up. We don't even get, like, a satisfying death for this idiot who set up this entire thing. Um, Very similar to another movie I saw recently, but I won't bring that up right now. Uh, I may bring it up on the next episode of the main show and during the what we've been watching. But, yeah, um, <laughs> there have been a few movies recently that have really annoyed the shit out of me. And, unfortunately, The Blackening is one of them. So after, so it's the next morning. Uh, Clifton is dead. Um, <laughs> he has successfully killed no one other than the first two people in our cold open. All six of our friends, you know, other than Clifton are still alive, and they're basically sitting around trying to figure out what they want to do. Now, obviously, they don't want to call the police because it's like, well, if we call the police and they come here and see a bunch of dead white people and us who who rented the cabin, they're never, ever in a million years going to believe us. But they're like, you know, they don't have a car. They have no way of leaving um, to actually get back to the city. So what they eventually decide to do is they call the fire department instead of the police, and they report a fire at the cabin instead. And our movie basically ends with them um, outside the cabin as the firemen are arriving at the cabin, and they're all kind of high-fiving because they're so happy that they thought of this idea and that hopefully none of them are going to get arrested for all of this, blah, blah, blah. And that's pretty much the end of our movie, folks. You know, um, a fairly funny scene to end it with because it is kind of poignant, you know, ultimately. I mean, there is some truth to what they're saying. If white police officers showed up at the cabin and there's what? One, two dead white people plus three bodies in the well, it's going to be really hard for them to convince the cops that, hey, this wasn't us. This was our dead friend Clifton. So, you know, good on them for calling the fire department. That's it, <laughs> yeah, folks. That, that is smart. the blackening. That was actually pretty smart. I'll give him credit for that because it's true. You know, I, I, I've thought about that a lot in my life. Like, I, I can't imagine growing up having a fear of the police. You know, the police are supposed to be the ones that help us when bad things happen to us. But, I mean, when you're a black person in America, there's this inherent fear of police because they're trigger happy. It, well, at least it seems like a lot of police officers are trigger happy when it comes to minorities. So yeah, I will, I will give the movie its props for that little clever ending there. But overall, like I said, this movie is okay at best. If you take it as just a comedy and I also, there's one major aspect of the movie that I skipped because I don't understand it. And that's the ESP throughout the film. um, Multiple characters in this movie speak to each other with their mind. Like, they're not speaking out loud. They're literally thinking, and they can hear each other. And, you know, I, I guess that's kind of – it just goes back to, you know, you know, black people have this unspoken thing with each other where they can just look at each other, and they know yeah. what they're talking about. I, mm-hmm. I thought the I thought the initial joke when it happens earlier in the movie was just kind of like the, oh, we can just give each other that look, and we know what's on our mind. The problem is they – they start expanding it to like entire conversations. Exactly. So it kind of it makes the joke wear thin, but initially I thought that's what they were going for. Yeah. 
And even at the end of the movie, Clifton can do it himself. So apparently all black people have The Shining, apparently, and they can talk to each other with their mind. Like I said, this movie doesn't set up any kind of supernatural elements at all, but this ESP thing, it's very weird. <clears throat> if, if it would have only been the first two girls at the beginning, I might have accepted it a little bit more. But as the movie goes along, they all have it. They can all talk to each other without moving their lips, and it's like, God damn, if you could have done this before, why didn't you? Like, why, why, why are we seeing this now? I don't know. It just feels like there were situations in the film when they were being stalked where that ability would have come in handy. But I guess it wasn't yeah. funny at that moment. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was kind of complaining about earlier, about not knowing where the, the supernatural thing comes from, because that was pretty much exactly where I was coming from, was that strange... That that telekinesis or ESP kind of a thing. I mean, it, mm-hmm. yeah, if that was fleshed out more, if that was integrated a little bit more into the film, it would have made more sense. Yeah, yeah. I can understand doing like a sight gag or something, but to actually make it an element of the a, 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 an element of the film that we see multiple times, yeah, I feel like it should have been maybe explained a little bit, especially for us non-black people who maybe don't understand where the gag comes from. Because maybe there's a legitimate source of that joke that's kind of like an inside thing with black people that, you know, maybe we're not privy to. So it would have been pretty cool to see something like that, some kind of explanation there. Um, But nope, nothing. So, yeah, there it is. (laughs) Not a terrible movie, as I've said multiple times at this point, but, you know, not anything that we'll be talking about months from now. And I can't imagine it's going to end up on any top ten list unless you only watch 12 horror movies a year, then maybe it might, but otherwise, yeah, just just a middle-of-the-road comedy horror. I'm not even going to call it a horror comedy. It's solidly a comedy horror, but if, you know, if that's what you're looking for, uh, like Don said, if you're into the scary movie um, a franchise, this might work for you. If not, then I don't think there's a, really a whole lot to take out of it. Indeed. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up our discussion on the blackening. Um, let's find out where we can be heard. So, Venom, what, do you have anything else currently out? Uh, unfortunately, I have nothing else out new. I'm still, I'm still only about 90% um, recovered from the flu that I had last week. Obviously, last week was the worst. This week, I, I still had some moments of relapse, which is why this episode is a couple of days late. I wasn't feeling great Monday night when it was time to record, so unfortunately we postponed it again. But um, So nothing new specifically, but we, we do have some stuff on the horizon. Um, Creature Comforts Episode 18 is actually getting recorded tomorrow. We're going to look at the brand new release, The Lake. Um, you know, which looks like a really cool Asian creature feature. I haven't watched it yet. I'll be watching it tonight, so uh, we'll be recording I'm that watch tomorrow. That too. Yeah, that yeah, looks yeah. Good. I mean, well, you know me. I love my creature features, so I, I don't, I, I don't anticipate I won't like this one. Uh, and Don has already said a couple of good things about it, so I am excited to watch mm-hmm. it tonight. So we record that one tomorrow. Hopefully, that'll be out before the end of June, depending on when I can get around to editing that. Uh, the main show, um, again, you know, because of my sickness, has been delayed a little bit, so that that one will probably get recorded next weekend. Um, where we're looking at Derek's picks. Um, 
Did he make his picks? I forgot. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I'll keep it under my hat for now because there there are a couple of uh, kind of obscure movies that you know um, the general horror community doesn't really talk about too often. So and one of them is a first time watch for me. So I'm kind of excited. So that'll be the next episode of the main show. No more room in hell. Um, Crystal Lake Gift Shop episode four. Um, uh, again, hopefully sooner than later, we're gonna get that one recorded. And that's pretty much it for me, unfortunately. Like I said, I've been dealing with this flu for the last couple of weeks, so haven't really recorded anything other than Fresh Cuts. All right. Uh, how about you, Don? Uh, yeah, not much else to report. Um, as Venom said, we're recording Creature Comforts tomorrow, which I'm really looking forward to because the lake is one of my uh, many highlights of the year so far. Uh, should land very heavily, uh, very highly, sorry, on uh, quite a few of my lists that uh, I've been doing. So I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing what uh, these guys have to say about it, knowing our history together with that one. Uh, still, uh, as I've been mentioning for the past, uh, what seems like months now, uh, still waiting on, uh, Road to Nowhere with, uh, top, th uh, the three different Fulci films and, uh, Stew World Order with, uh, Red 2, uh, they're in the, they're in the can, folks, uh, they're coming, I just don't know when, uh, it's first time guest spotting with both of these guys, so I don't know their release schedules, but, uh, yeah, hopefully those will come out, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I do have one new one to add. Um, I joined up with uh, NFW. We're doing Shark Month, so uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, first one is recorded. I'll uh, keep it under wraps because we're gonna we're gonna release them pretty much uh, around the uh, time of the year for Shark Weeks. So uh, we'll we'll have uh, some fun uh, cheesy shark movies with me uh, guest spotting with them on. And uh, the latest episode of A Horror Countdown, which is one that I've kind of uh, been sitting on for a while, which was a really fun time to talk about, our top ten found footage films. So, uh, yeah, earlier in the year we did uh, non-American, so uh, this was one that we looked at uh, the genre overall. So, yeah, this one was a, a ton of fun. Um, it is the behemoth to end all behemoths on my show. Um, real quickly, if you've uh, heard my shows in the past, this the usual episodes are about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Um, occasionally, it'll stretch to about an hour and a half if uh, we get uh, incredibly talky. This one clocks in at two and a half hours. So, Hell yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this one was the behemoth. Um, although, I, I should point out that uh, part of that was due to the fact that uh, in looking up why I couldn't understand what movie my co-host was talking about, it was actually released in terror. It was uh, released in various territories under a different title, so you'll be able to hear the discovery of that uh, live. Ah. Um, yeah, there, there's a segment where um, he introduced, or my co-host introduces a film I'd never heard of. I go look it up based on the description that he was giving it, and come to find out, I actually knew what the film he was talking about. I hadn't seen it, but I knew what he was talking about because it went under a different title here in America. So. Uh, yeah, he was talking about it, uh, the European film. I was uh, aware of it through its American name. So we actually discovered uh, retitalization uh, live. So that was a, a big part of it. But, um, of, of course, there's tons of other fun uh, discussion on that uh, episode. So uh, go ahead and give that a listen. But, uh, yeah, just uh, 
when are those damn things going to get released? I don't know, but uh, hopefully they'll be again sooner rather than later. But uh, that's pretty much it for me. All right. Uh, for me, I know last, I think the last Fresh Cuts, I announced my guest spot on Summer Party Massacre, where we talk about franchise entries that jumped the shark. Because I thought it, it was going to be released, um, but unfortunately it hasn't yet. I talked to Lacey, who who does the editing for that. She just she got a little behind. She has a backlog of other shows with it to get out. It should be released shortly, so you can just look for that show on their feed. Like um, once it's official, you know, whenever it gets officially released. Then whatever we whatever show we record fall immediately falling after I'll mention that it's actually out. Um, other than that, nothing currently. I mean, there are things on the horizon, but I can just wait to announce those uh, as they either get closer or once they're actually recorded. Um, like Venom said, the main show we have it planned. Just gotta come up with a date, which we'll we'll figure that out soon. And uh, that's it from me for now, too. Um, is is there anything releasing this week, Venom, in the theaters? Do you know? I don't I don't. Uh, that I was think... a bullet. Oh, that one? I thought the next Say one again? was God is a bullet. Is that a wide um, release? Uh, it's, I don't uh, know. I'm seeing a commercial all over the place. Yeah, I, I would imagine it is. It's playing at every theater in L.A. I mean, it's got a big cast. Uh, um, what's her name? Micah Monroe. Um, uh, what's his face? The guy who played Jamie Lannister in, in Game of Thrones. It looks it looks like a it looks kind of like a gritty crime drama, but it's got horror elements. It's got very obvious horror elements in it. So um, God is a bullet. It, it, God is a bullet. Okay, now I, I'm seeing. I just googled it. Yeah. Yep. Directly. I mean. There. Considering the movies that we've done over, yeah, considering the movies we've done over the last couple of weeks, that one's horror enough. <laughs> Jamie Fox is in it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and he actually looks awesome as like a gang member type character. But Variety it means, says you know, Variety says Nick Cassavetes delivers a blood-soaked highway to hell. All right. Well, yeah. If I can. I uh, honestly have not even heard of this, but I'll look on my Regal app. If it's playing here, I'll definitely go see it. Yeah, I the thought the next. I was gonna the say the next. I was gonna say the most I recent thing. I, I was gonna say I thought the most the next thing coming up was Insidious Four. Uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, that might be in a couple of weeks, but yeah, God is a bullet opens tomorrow. I mean, uh, you know, it, it comes yeah. up as a drama, action, horror. It, it's a multi-genre uh, film, so but horror is in there. And I it's also two and a half hours, so eh, at least it's in the cinema. <laughs> I have more time That's to a, enjoy my caramel corn. God is a slow traveling bullet. <laughs> um, I mean, the movie looks yeah, like I it's don't... got a good pedigree, and the trailer, like I said, the trailer played before the blackening for me, and I thought it looked pretty cool. Micah Monroe is almost unrecognizable, so I, I thought it was pretty cool looking. Oh wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if if it is wide and it's getting showings here, I'll definitely go see it. Um, so tentatively, you know, tentatively. if we all are able to see it, we'll do that. If not, we'll do what we usually do and yep. grab something off EOD. But 
Other than that, that's going to wrap up this episode of Fresh Cuts and our discussion on the blackening. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Let's say bye to our listeners. Later. As always, whenever we watch a Cabin in the Woods movie, I say the same thing. Stay the fuck in the city. You got no business being out in the woods. (laughs) Leave it alone. (laughs) Peace.